Well, good morning, family. The answer is yes. The answer is yes, and you're probably already sitting there going, okay, what's the question? It was uh, several weeks back where we were kind of planning out this whole promises series. And Kurt had kind of laid out some, some of these promises that are in the Bible, some of these scriptures. And right away, I got like first pick. I jumped on one right away. And it's the, the one I want to talk about today. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 31, where it says, But for those who hope in the Lord, they shall renew their strength. And I just grabbed onto that one right away because I thought, man, I don't know about you, but I could use a little more hope in my life. I I mean, we we look at the world around us and we're going, hope, we could use some hope right now. The world can sometimes seem like it's falling apart. Things in our life can seem like they're not going as we planned. And so I wanted to grab on to the promise of hope. And and that was great because when when I started researching it in the New International Version of the Bible, it says, but those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. And then I noticed it's in the New Living Translation of the Bible. When they they translate this verse, it's, but those who trust in the Lord will renew their strength. And then I'm like, okay, well, which one is it? Is it it those who hope or is it those who trust? And, And to make it even more complicated, the New American Standard Version, as I was digging in, they say, well, it's those who wait on the Lord. Well, they shall renew their strength. And then I got really confused. Okay, well, which one is it? Is it those who hope? Is it, is it those people who trust? Is it those people who wait for the Lord? Which ones get the strength? And the answer is yes. The answer is yes. They're all really good translations of a Hebrew word that has quite a depth of meaning. It should be translated as hope. It should be translated as trust. It should be translated as those who wait. And what else is interesting about this verse is this just as relevant today as it was over 2,000 years ago? You know, God sends this prophet named Isaiah to these people in Judah to give them this message. And, and they're going through some stuff. Maybe it sounds a little familiar. They, they're going through some stuff. There's this one country that has invaded another country during their time, and that's stressing everybody out. Their, their leadership is split apart, and there's all this infighting. Uh, Their buildings are are being destroyed by their enemies, including their sacred temple. And and they they feel like foreigners in another land. And God sends them this message. God sends them this message. Now, I I might, you know, just throw this in. As I'm looking at this and looking at the stuff they're going through and looking at the stuff we're going through, you might make a case that we can be kind of lightweights when it comes to hard times. (laughs) I mean, just as Americans, we, we might be kind of lightweights. I mean, if you look at the scope of history and what people have experienced, if you look at just geography and what people are experiencing uh, on other parts of the maps, you know, we're, people are going through hard times, and, and maybe uh, we can be kind of lightweights when it comes to it. And, and when there are those hard times, in fact, when there were those hard times for those people in Judah, they did something, I don't know if you can relate, this is how they uh, handled those hard times. They just spent a lot of time complaining. They spent a lot of time complaining, going, can you believe the state of the world today in Judah? And did, did this? Can you believe what's happening in our history? It's never been this bad. It's never, and, and they just would complain to each other. That's what they spent their time doing. I, I mean, we can't relate, but um, just, I mean, and, and we know this because God, that's, he addresses it before the promise. He addresses it in verse 27 of chapter 40. He says, why do you complain, Jacob, which is just another name for Israel? 
Why do you say, Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord? My, my cause is disregarded by my God. In other words, God's people are disappointed in God's response. In fact, in the English standard translation of this verse, they say, my right, my right is disregarded by our God. In other words, you know, we're God's people. Aren't we entitled to peace? Aren't we entitled? Isn't it our right that we should be happy, that we should have a great existence on this earth? Isn't that our right? I mean, we love God. God loves us. Shouldn't he intervene and kind of make things go really easy for us? And the thing about God is God is not unsettled by the tensions in their thoughts any more than he's unsettled by the tensions in our thoughts. And so what does God do? He does what he always do. He just brings those thoughts to the surface. Here's God's reaction to the complaints. He says, have you not heard? Have you not heard? In other words, what God is setting up is saying, I'm going to answer your question. But not, let's not act like this is new news. <laughs> Haven't you seen what I've done in the past? Haven't you heard what I've done in the past? Haven't you lived uh, what, what I've done? How, don't you know the type of God I am? Let's not act like we don't know, is what God's saying. You know, he's saying, I'm not going to go ahead and impart to you any great revelation. What I'm going to call you to do is have some recollection. God's about to go, let me give you a little rebuke and a reminder about, uh, you know, who you're complaining to. Have you not heard? And then he goes on and says this, have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary. His understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary, increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope, those who trust, those who wait for the Lord, well, they will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. Now, when Kurt kicked off this whole Promises series, he, he actually started with a passage that comes a chapter later in Isaiah. And, and in that passage, God is telling his people, if you don't do this, then I will do this. If you, if you don't be afraid, then I will do all these wonderful things. And here, a chapter earlier, the message God has for his people, if you do do this, then you'll be able to do these things. If you hope... If you trust, if you wait on the Lord, then you will be able to soar, to run, to walk. I don't know about you, but that kind of hits me funny. Why does God start with soar? And then it's kind of a run, then it's more of a walk. I mean, if I was writing the passage, I think I'd start with walk, then run, then soar. I mean, there would be an escalation to it, not a de-escalation to it. Why does God kind of use this descent in the verbiage when, he, when he's talking to us and, and, and talking about hope and trusting and waiting? And I have a really good answer because God does everything with purpose, but I'm not going to tell you to the end. So you got to hang with me. You have to hang with me. But those who wait on the Lord will renew their strength. Now, there's this story that shows up in Luke chapter 24. In fact, if you were to go ahead and expand on the message this morning and do some reading, I would, I would, I'm going to give you two kind of passages that I'm like, go, go ahead this week, read it. Luke chapter 24, great story. In fact, Luke, Luke chapter 24, the premise of this story is you got these two guys. They've been following Jesus for years. 
And, and at this point in history, Jesus has died on Friday. And he's dead. Saturday, still dead, Jesus. It's Sunday, early in the morning. And they go, you know what? Let's not stick around Jerusalem anymore. Let's go for a walk. Let's go on a, on a seven-mile hike to a nearby town. It just feels right. Let's get out of here. Now, I, I just find that interesting right away. If you've been following Jesus for years, he keeps slipping in this kind of idea that, you know what? I'm going to get killed. And three days later, I'm coming back to life. And I just think if you've been hearing that story for years... Wouldn't you just wait till the end of Sunday before you go for a walk? I mean, wouldn't you just, you know, it's up, oh, day one, he's dead. Day two, still dead. Day three, let's, let's, I mean, let's go. Why? Why leave? Why leave Jerusalem? Why leave? Why not just stick around to the end of the day and see, you know, let's see if he comes back. I mean, let's see what happens. Why, why do they leave? And, and, and I mean, there's no explanation other than they're kind of in a hurry. Do you ever feel like you're in a hurry, but God is not? <laughs> You know, and, and, and you got to wonder, when we do that, you know, do we quit too early? How close are we to seeing a resurrection? And we're like, oh, well, he hasn't done it yet. Let's get out of here. How often do we quit too, too early? I mean, it's, uh, it's like when you have the tickets to the sporting events. I mean, we, we took, the, the, took the, the family the other day, went to the Rays game, you know, and it's the eighth inning and the Rays are down and everybody's leaving. You know, like, I gotta be traffic, you know, you gotta, you know. The, the, you've, have you ever seen that? It, it, and maybe the Rays, maybe, but I mean, how many times have they come back at the last minute? And, you, and you're like, man, you're gonna miss it, kind of thing. Or Betty at the Buccaneers, right? You know, like, hey, I know uh, it, it's down, you know, we're down, it's one minute to go, but you might miss the greatest comeback ever. I, I mean, I, I really had to wrestle with a tough decision in my life. It was a couple years ago when I heard Tom Brady was gonna play for the Buccaneers. And I had to wrestle it. You know, do I hate the New England Patriots or do I hate Tom Brady? Just turns out I hate the New England Patriots. That's, that's, that's it. God settled my heart. I mean, do, do you remember what it was like to play the New England Patriots when they had Tom Brady? We might be up in the score, but you're sweating because you're going, they have a minute left. They have Tom Brady. We're done, you know, right? And, and we, you know, we would lose, right, in the last minute. And, and now we have Tom Brady, and we're like, I know we're down on the score, but we have a minute left. <laughs> it's not over. It's, the game's not over. The story's not over. And let me tell you, friends, your story's not over. I, I don't know what you're going through or what you've been through or what you will go through, but I can tell you this for sure. Your story's not over. No time to quit. No time to quit early. It's those that wait on the Lord that find new strength. If you look at this passage in Luke chapter 24, verse 15, it says, As these two guys talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them. But they were kept from recognizing him. You ever notice that Jesus is kind of sneaky? He's sneaky Jesus. Come on. You know, like, he is. He is. Especially post-resurrection Jesus. Right? He sneaks up on Mary Magdalene in the garden. And she thinks he's the gardener. He, he sneaks up on the disciples when they're hiding in a room. Like, whoa, there's Jesus. You know, they, they're, he sneaks up on these two guys. There they are on this road. He sneaks up and they don't, they don't recognize him. He's kind of sneaky. And he's kind of sneaky because he's God. God's kind of sneaky. It, it was World War II. And things were going terrible for Britain. You know, Hitler was, was, looked like he was going to win. And, and it was Winston Churchill, his wife, who came to him and, and, and suggested, said, well, maybe these are just blessings in disguise. 
And Winston Churchill's response is, well, then they are well disguised. (laughs) But that's kind of how God works sometimes. Sometimes he will send the best times of our life dressed up like some of the hardest times in our life. He's kind of sneaky. And, And we may go, yeah, but... If God could only see what I was going through, if he could only, you know, kind of hear how difficult this is for me, you know, surely he would do something different than what he's allowing to happen right now. He he would get involved. You know, it kind of begs the question as we wait, well, is God even aware of how tough this is? Is God even aware of how difficult this is? And the answer is yes. Here's how he responds in Isaiah 40, 28. Have you not heard? His, God's understanding, no one can fathom. No one can fathom. It, it was a little over a month ago. I was just trying to find a movie for our family to watch. And, uh, and then it kind of hit me. I was like, I know the movie. We're watching Rudy. We're watching Rudy. You remember Rudy, right? That movie with Sean Austin. And, and, and all he has, this is one dream, is to play football for, for Notre Dame. And so most of the movie... Rudy's trying to pursue his dream, but he's got to get his grades up. And so he, he attends a nearby school trying to, to raise his GPA. And, and every semester he applies to get into no, Notre Dame. And every semester, nope, sorry, Rudy, we don't want to take you into Notre Dame. And it's just, and, and you're almost like two-thirds of the way through the movie. And you're like, this is the one. He's going to get it. And he, every time, you know, he sits on the bench, pulls open this, this letter. Is he going to make it in? And once again, rejected by Notre Dame. And he goes, in the movie, he goes to, to one of the priests that's kind of been rooting him on in, in the movie. And, uh, and he's like, you know, Father, I don't know what to do. And he's like, what more can I do? I, I've been studying, raising my grades. Uh, I've been praying every day. And he's like, well, maybe, maybe I could pray more. Maybe that's it. I just haven't prayed enough. And, and the priest says this to him. I thought this was interesting. He says, you know, he says, look, son, I, I have been studying theology for decades. And there's only two things I know for sure. One is there is a God And two is, I'm not him. (laughs) I'm not him. Which is kind of God's response to the question, like, God, aren't you even aware? You know, this makes no sense why you're doing what you're doing. And he answers it kind of with a question early on in the text in verse 12 of Isaiah 40. He says, okay, well, let's start here. Who of you has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand? Uh, Or with the breath of his hand marked off the heavens? Anybody here? Uh, who, who, who has held the dust of the earth in a basket or weighed the mountains on the scales or the hills on a balance? Who can fathom the spirit of the Lord or instruct the Lord as his counselor? You see, we cannot fully understand God because we are not God. And yet we know through the text, through what we've seen, through what we've heard, we know God knows everything. Which means he is totally aware. He hears you. He sees you. And the thing is, it doesn't matter when God shows up. Because when he does, the timing is always right. It it, it may feel that it's out of your hands, but it's never out of his. And So keep waiting. Keep waiting. Because your story ain't over yet. And who knows where sneaky Jesus will show up next in your story. It's those who wait on the Lord who will renew their strength. And it's those who trust in the Lord who will renew their 
strength. You know, there's something kind of weird we do as Christians. You know, as Christians, we will turn to God when bad things happen with the full confidence that he could have stopped it. You ever notice that? That's just kind of strange. When bad times happen, we will start praying to the God who we believe did not have to allow those things to happen. Which is kind of strange, but but that's how we trust God. And it's even kind of a struggle. In fact, there's some things for some of us that have happened in our life that that we don't understand why God didn't intervene, knowing he could have. And and it's broken down our faith, and, and so it might take a while for your faith to recover. But you're not alone. We're not alone. We're not alone in history. In fact, there's another uh, chapter of the Bible, Acts chapter 12, just a fun, interesting chapter. And it starts out with this in verse 1. It says, it was about this time that King Herod, now this is not the King Herod who killed the babies in the Christmas story. This is his great-grandson, Herod Agrippa. Herod arrested some who belonged to the church. Now right away, that's kind of weird. That's kind of strange. Because if you're a Christian, but then it's early on enough, you're like, Jesus came back from the grave. We have total victory as followers of Christ. Look at all this power. The disciples can heal. They can do this. God is amazing. We can never lose. But also in Herod can arrest some who belong to the church. Intending to persecute them, he had James, the brother of John, put to the sword. And when he saw that this met the approval among the Jews, he proceeded to seize Peter also, and he imprisons Peter. And if you're a Christian, then you go, wait, whoa, whoa, that's like two of the big three right there. I mean, there's Peter, James, and John. James dead? Peter arrested, thrown in jail? And the Christians, they did only what they knew to do. They prayed. They pray, and, and they pray. In fact, they pray harder. Well, God, will you at least spare Peter? Will you release him from jail? And, and by a miracle, as you read on the story, sure enough, Peter is released. It's, it's very much a miraculous event. In fact, he even shows up to the house where, where the people have been praying for him, and they won't let him in because they can't believe that God did it. <laughs> and then Herod Agrippa finds out, whoa, Peter somehow miraculously escaped from jail. No one knows where he is. He looks kind of foolish. He can't even keep a fisherman locked up. And and so he decides, well, I'm getting out of town for a while. I need a break. And while he's out of town, God strikes Herod Agrippa down dead. It says he gets eaten internally by worms. I mean, it's just a fun story if you want to go back and read it. Okay, Acts chapter 12. But it kind of begs the question, well, if God was going to kill Herod, why didn't it just do it a couple months earlier? then James might still be alive. Then, then Peter might never have had, had to be arrested and experienced that whole jail thing. Why, why didn't God do it? And, and sometimes as we're trying to trust God, and it's hard to trust God because we don't understand, uh, sometimes we, we can explain, well, maybe God's just not around. Maybe he's like Herod. Maybe, maybe he had to take a break. Maybe he had to get out of town or get away from the situation. And, and, you know, maybe he's just not there. You know, God, are you even there in the midst of this trial? In the midst of this hard time. Because I'm pretty sure if you were right here in the midst of this, you would do something different. God, are you even there? Is God there? The answer is yes. (laughs) Have you not heard, it says in verse 28, the Lord is the everlasting God. Which means he's all throughout history. He's the creator of the ends of the earth. Which means he's all throughout geography. God is everywhere. He's everywhere, which means he's right there during the disappointing doctor's appointment or the disappointing court appointment. He's there in the fender bender and he's there in the funeral. 
author and pastor Tony Campolo once shared a story of if, as he was growing up as a little boy and would go to elementary school each day that his mother would pay the neighbor girl who was a little older than Tony. He, he, uh, his mother would pay her 15 cents each day to walk Tony to school and walk him back safely. And young little Tony, he resented that, well, one, it was a girl that had to keep him safe, and it was an older neighbor girl, and that she had to be paid, and, and uh, you know, to keep him safe to go back and forth to school. And so, so one day, you know, Tony just spoke up, said, Mom, Mom, I'm old enough now. I'm a big boy. I can walk to school by myself. I can walk home by myself. He says, I'll make you a deal. You only have to pay me a nickel. You pay me a nickel, keep the other 10 cents. I will, you know, save some money. I'll go to school there and back myself. And so his mom went ahead and said, okay, Tony, let's do, we'll try this out. And so sure enough, Tony would go to school, come back, seemed to work okay, go to school, come back, go to school, come back. And he'd done this for a couple months, and then uh, they, they had a family reunion in the Campolo family. They had a, had a family reunion. And at this family reunion, little Tony, well, he started boasting and bragging. He's like, yeah, yeah, you know, I'm a big boy now. I go to school every day by myself, come home every day. All by my lonesome. And, and he just kept going on and on about it until eventually his mom couldn't take it anymore. He said, Tony, Tony, you need to know something. <laughs> Every day you've gone to school and back, but you've never walked alone. I've always followed you. Far enough behind that you didn't notice, but far enough or close enough that I could see and make sure you got into school Okay. And, and every day when you left the school, I, I was kind of waiting there in the parking lot, just making sure following you, that you left and you'd make it home okay. Every time there was a thunderstorm, I made sure you made it to school safe and dry. Every time there was a snowstorm, I I made sure you made it home safe and warm. You may have walked every day, but there was never a day where you walked alone. And let me tell you, friends, you may be walking through this life and have walked in and out or into another trial and out of another trial, but there has never been a day where you have walked alone. God is there. He's there in the midst of it all. And those who trust in the Lord will renew their strength. Well, those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. You know, you may be sitting there going, okay, well, if God's aware of what I'm going through and God is there in the midst of the hard time in the trial, then does God even care? Does he even care what I'm going through? I mean, because surely if he cared about me, he wouldn't allow this to happen. He would adjust things. Does he even care? And the answer is yes. We can still have hope when we don't have explanations. Bad things are coming. We know it. Because Jesus told us they would. That if we followed him, there would be suffering. There would be hard times. There would be bad things that happen in this world. But that it's all part of a bigger plan. And those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. And they will soar on wings as eagles. Now, it's interesting God chooses eagles. Because we know that eagles don't naturally start off soaring. I mean, if you're a little baby eaglet... Mama Eagle is going to take you out of the nest and bring you to a very, very high point and then drop Baby Eaglet. 
And the reason they pick such a high point is because mama wants to make sure there's enough time that if baby eaglet is not flapping the wings, is not soaring right away, she still has enough time to swoop down and scoop up the eaglet before it goes splat. And she'll go to an even higher point and give the baby eaglet more time to drop, fall, see if they can learn to soar. And if not, still has enough time to swoop down and, and, and carry the, the eaglet back to the nest that day. And there'll be another day and they'll go through the same routine until the eaglet learns how to soar. Have you ever had one of those trials in life you look back on and you have no idea how you made it through? It doesn't necessarily say that we will soar on wings of eagles and that there are wings. How many times has God swooped down and carried us through something? And we have no idea how we made it through. Have you not heard? He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. How many times has God carried you and I through something, not in our strength, but on his wings, in his strength? And you know, God is not stingy with his strength. In fact, God loves to shame the strong and the arrogant by raising up the weak. And we got to be careful with that whole arrogance thing because it disqualifies us from, from getting to experience the strength. I, I, I mean, I can't soar until, and get strong until I admit I'm weak. I, I can't be saved until I, I can admit that I'm lost. I can't be forgiven until I admit that I'm sinful. I, I can't really experience hope until I let God have control. You see, we know God is in control. And the reason he gives power is because he's so powerful. Earlier on in the book of Isaiah, when, when, when Isaiah is looking for God, he finds God in chapter 6 of Isaiah. And where does he find God? In, in chapter 6, verse 1, it says that he finds God where he's always been, seated on his throne. In other words, God's not up there pacing around going, oh man, what are we going to do with this Ukraine thing? What are we going to do? What, what are we going to do? Oh, oh, the COVID's rising and spiking and all, you know, what are we going to do? Oh no, things are falling out. What am I going to do? God's not up there pacing. He's doing what he's always done. He is seated on his throne. And the God who, who sits enthroned on high still gives strength to sustain us down below. You know, bad times don't mean the world is spinning out of God's control. Rather, hard times and difficult trials show up as an opportunity for us to test and build our faith. If you uh, translate that Hebrew verb, hope is a good word, trust is a good word, wait is a good word, and there's another word, there's another terminology that shows up that's used when this verb is used in Hebrew, especially in Hebrew culture. It's, it's the idea of, of like the image of a cord being stretched and being twisted. And doesn't, isn't that how it feels? You know, when, when you're trying to, to wait on the Lord, you just feel like you're being stretched. When, when you're trying to trust in the Lord, it just kind of feels like you're being stretched and twisted. When you try to hope in, in the Lord in this world, it, it just feels kind of like that. But, but it's not without purpose. The terminology is the idea. It's like a cord that's being stretched and twisted into another cord. 
and into another cord. In fact, if you were to translate that verb, it would be well translated as the idea of entwining yourself into something else. The idea that those who entwine their lives into God's will, those who are braided into his purposes, well, all of a sudden you have, a, you have strength in the braid that they find new strength. Those who are willing to take their story and braid it into the greater story and purpose and will of God, those are the ones who find new strength. You don't have to panic when you're entwined into a bigger plan. Isaiah 40, 31. But those who hope, those who trust, those who wait, those who are entwined into the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. Is it backwards? Soar, run, walk. There's this term called catabasis. Catabasis is the idea of progress through descent. Progress through descent. See, there's a reason why God starts with soar and then run and then walk. Because the goal, the goal of us in in our maturity and in our relationship with God is not so that we can constantly soar above the trials and, and, and just not experience them and not do it. That's not the goal. There's times where God has to carry us through or teach us how to soar above them. That, that happens, but that's not the goal. The, the goal isn't for us to run and speed through the trials and hard times in life so that it can barely get a grip on us. It, it's, that's not the goal in, in, in our walk, in, 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 in our faith, in our development, in our relationship with Jesus Christ. No, the goal is always to be able to walk through the trial. Hard times are happening, but I can walk through them. Don't have to rush through them, don't have to soar through them. Because when I'm intertwined with God and His will, I can almost walk with a swagger. (laughs) I can almost walk through a trial and it can't take away my joy, it can't take away my peace, it can't break my faith that doesn't matter what's going on in the world around me I have strength to walk through it that's the goal that's the place where God calls us to to be able to be in such a relationship where we can walk through it with him it was about six years ago that I got to go to uh, Israel and just an amazing trip. It's, uh, anytime you go to Israel, it just takes the Bible from like black and white to in color. I mean, it just brings a whole new reality to it. And, and I remember as, I, um, as we went to this one you know, hill and this kind of mountainy thing, and you, you realize, okay, I am walking up a path that Jesus walked. And, and he walked to the top of this, this hill, and here he spoke to the people. And, and, and I'm walking the steps, this, the south side of the temple, where Jesus walked these steps to enter the temple, and he preached from these steps. And I am walking a path there in Jerusalem that Jesus walked. And he didn't just walk, he carried a cross with him from this point on into 
this point and I'm walking. My feet are, are, are the same places where Jesus' feet once were. And, and all those experiences were hard times for Jesus. When he walked up that mountain, he started preaching people the good news. They tried to push him off the mountain, the scriptures say. They wanted to get rid of him then and there. And, and, and when, he, when he preached from the steps of the temple, the people rejected his teachings and they mocked him in his teachings and, and, and then later accused him of blasphemy. And when he carried the cross, they beat him, they spit on him. Jesus walked on this earth through some really hard times. And he walked through it alone in his own strength so that you and I never have to. Jesus laid the path where we can walk through whatever the world throws at us through whatever the hope is, you know, and, and, and we can look at it that, oh, we got another trial, great, walking lessons. Oh, something didn't go our way, or we got a disappointing doctor's appointment, that's all right, I'm just learning how to walk. Oh, oh wait, he said what, she did what, oh, that's all right, I'm just learning how to walk. In fact, we could tell our family, we could tell our friends, we could tell our neighbors, we could tell the world when something terrible happens around us or to us, that's all right. I'm just learning how to walk today. I'm just doing, practicing my walking lessons because I don't have to walk alone and I don't have to walk anymore in my own strength. Sometimes I got to wait a little more. Sometimes I got to trust a little more. Sometimes I got to hope a little more, but that's all right. God can carry me through if he needs to. God will speed me through if I need to run. Or God will give me the strength to learn more and more how to walk. And if you're wondering, Tom, even in my trial, even in my situation, even in what I've been through and what I'm going to go through, and the answer is yes. The answer is yes. If, you, if you've never started to walk with Jesus, then it simply starts by you making a decision to entwine your life into his. By making a decision for him to be Lord and Savior of your life. And, and, uh, and, and we can confirm that decision. We got a baptistry right there, a Christian baptism. If that's a decision you want to make today, uh, you can tell. We'll be around in, in this building, in this lobby. You can share it online. You just look at somebody who looks like they love Jesus, share that with them, and they'll help walk you through, okay? And we will celebrate that decision with you. And for those of us who made the decision, I want to just invite us into a time. I just want to invite us into a time for a moment. What do you need to walk? What do you need to walk through today, for this week, for this upcoming month? What do you need? Do you, do you need some patience? Do you need God to give you some strength? Do you just need to wait a little longer? Do you need God to help you to trust him more? Or, or maybe you just need a little more hope this morning. What do you need? Do you need to wait? Do you need to trust or do you need to hope? What do you need to walk? And let's just take these next few moments and let's bring those needs before the feet of Jesus. Let's bring those needs before our Lord who is here, who's aware, and who does care. And let's just bring them before him in a time with him and just ask him. Ask him, what do you need to walk? And let's just take this time together and then we're going to celebrate a new strength. Let's take some time.